Of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast, back after a two week break to get into our final team preview podcast for the preseason, heading towards the 2020 season. And once again, we'll have to get Billy back because it's been a couple of podcasts since we've heard from Billy. So welcome on back, big fella. Thanks, mate. I was going to say two weeks feels like a month. Yeah, well, it's been two weeks in between the podcast, but um, oh, I think four weeks since um, since you've jumped on, we've had. Uh, last one was Andrew Scanlon, the Cowboy, jumped on, and then we had Perso before. So, back to you as a guest appearance, mate. We've got the Sharpies that we're going to go through today, which is pretty meaty. That's going to be really, really good. And the Panthers as well, which has got some really relevant super coach players too. So, I'm getting pretty excited, Billy. I think like we're only a couple of weeks off. We've got Charity Shield this weekend. I'm, I'm feeling pretty pumped. How are you doing? Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. I, um... I obviously, I wasn't really keen on the nines, but um, yeah, I'm I'm more more keen on seeing some of these trials and seeing some 80 minute games. So, yeah, the um, the, like the South and Dragons Charity Shield match is always pretty good because they name pretty strong sides, reasonably relevant, even though they've got um pretty long benches. You still get like the South Sydney side has got probably their best side named one to thirteen to start the match, so that's going to be interesting. Looking forward to it a lot, but let's get into the Sharkies to start off with. They are looking like they'll probably have a, a good year again and be a top eight type of side, but they have had some uh, some losses. So the big fella's probably the biggest loss that they've got in Paul Gallen, who's obviously retired, but they had some other really big losses too. Um, Kurt Capel's been really good for them for a long time. He's gone across to Penrith. Kyle Flanagan uh, got sick of waiting for a chance, I guess, and has gone over to the Brewsters. Fecky, long-time Sharkies winger, has gone over to Castleford, and Jaden Braley has gone over to the Knights to start at hooker there. So quite a few losses as far as the new faces are concerned. They've got Connor Tracy, who's decent depth from Rabbitohs, but probably not going to make a super coach impact. Uh, Jesse Ramian is the, the big new face that's going to be super coach relevant that a lot of people are talking about. So I sort of see it as um, probably losing a bit more than what they've gained, Billy, as far as quality in their, their 17. Um, I think they're still going to make the top eight and have a decent side, but they might struggle a little bit. Um, this year compared to years past, potentially? It's always tough when you make a change. Um, a lot of those, those really good, those sort of massive impact guys, though, probably a few minutes here and there, so I can't see it hurting them too much. They've pretty much still got their pack in their spine, um, bar wild too. So, yeah, I think they'll still be a force. Yep. Let's talk about their um, guns, first of all. And the first gun to talk about is their 5'8", Sean Johnson. So, Sean Johnson... Uh, was a pretty popular purchase to start last year, and then a lot of people were pretty disappointed. Uh, it fell off him pretty quickly. Hampered by leg injuries quite a bit, um, and that's kind of been a bit of a story for him. The last three years, he's played 17, 18, and 18 games. So not getting through as many games as what you'd like to for Supercoach. His average score, though, Billy, it wasn't as bad as what people sort of thought. I mean, it did feel like that Sean Johnson had a bad season and he did, you know, in the last five years, it's his worst season, but it was only a point different from 2018. So ended up with a 63-point average for 2019, 64 in 2018, and that's a big drop off those two years from his glory days. Between 2015 and 2017, he averaged 71 points, 
So it's still a career worst year. It's still sort of eight points below where he's averaging for a few years. Um, but if you actually take his his injury games out, he went up to a 67-point average. So that's kind of reassuring. And if you look at the final eight games, which as a listener and you know as well, Billy, I, I like to look at the last couple of months of the season to see how someone goes. He finished on a really good note. The final eight games, he actually averaged 81 points a game, and his lowest was 52 and six out of those eight, he went 60-plus. So he's coming in for round one purchase, um, you know, reasonably expensive, but he's still under 600K. So 580s is a um, is a cheap price for Sean Johnson compared to other years. It's the cheapest he's going to start off in five years. I'm actually a little bit interested in Sean Johnson. I definitely think he's a relevant option, and um, he's going to be a dual half 5'8", so that's quite handy as well. As my number six, I'm I'm definitely having a look at him, um, but I've noticed that quite a few people are pretty standoff. What's your take on on Sean Johnson for 2020? Uh, if, you, if you can repeat that tail end um, AD average, you certainly certainly got some interest and some value there. Um, I can't remember what his draw was like, but uh, 100%. But I don't remember, don't recall it being that easy. So that's you got to take that into account. I'm one of those, you know, once once burnt, twice shy. Mate. I had him for the start of the year um, last year and got his uh, 48 average and that game. I think I had him as captain when he went down for four or whatever it was. So I um I can't stand him, late, mate. I just <laughs> he did that. He did that, did that just to spite me. So if you take the um, the average into account for the for the second half of the season, like you said, he was, he was pretty consistent throughout the year. Um, you probably have to give him a bit of a mulligan. Hey, given that mate, in the first few games he was starting at a new club. Hence his completely horrid score for the first game. So, if you're willing to run off those uh, first few games and the injuries, and you think he's going to stay healthy, then mate, he's certainly a uh, one of the better options yep. out there. Uh, I agree, and I think that we were both talking about Sean Johnson last preseason, and both of us said um, to hold off and don't start with him round one because the new club was going to be a big change. Um, we mentioned the fact that it's not just going over to a new club, he's, he's moving quite a considerable way from New Zealand over to Cronulla, so it's a pretty big personal change as well. The fact that he was hampered by those injuries, I mean, those were those were coming in from the preseason. He was carrying some injuries, and they just kept coming up, um, and he just kept getting hurt. So good thing this preseason is he's come out and actually said a couple of times now that he's feeling 100%, and he hasn't felt this good in a while, whether that's just a normal, you know, pre-season, G-up, you know, fat test results are the best ever, hitting the gym, fittest ever, winning the beat test type of thing. We're not really sure. I guess we'll see. But um, I tend to think that this is um, this is going to be the year that he goes back up, and I think that you're going to get high 60s from him at a minimum. He's a goal-kicking half 5'8". Um, I definitely think that his value, um, whether that's three points or eight points under value, I'm not sure. But, Billy, you mentioned the draw. Um, just running through it real quickly... It's a bit of a mixed bag. They start off with Souths first up in round one, uh, then they hit Melbourne. So the first two weeks aren't great for them, although the Melbourne game is at least at home. Obviously, their home games are going to be at Jubilee Stadium with Shark Park under renovation. The third and the fourth game are a lot better. They hit up Newcastle at home, and then they hit up the Dogs away. So that's a good three and four uh, week matchup. Then they hit the Roosters, not so good. And then Broncos, uh, Sea Eagles and Tigers round out the first two months. So I guess it's probably a 50-50 draw, isn't it? There's half of those games you don't really want to see on your schedule and half of them that are pretty good. Yeah, I kind of count the Storm game as one and a half, though, because it's... I don't care who you are, mate. I don't, I don't want... I don't, I don't want I, unless you're a forward, I generally don't want to start anyone against the Storm because they just completely shut you down. So um, 
yeah, the fact that he's got them as well as the Roosters early, I'm not really sort of keen. I think it's uh, it'll be tough for him to sort of maintain that average early. But he's definitely one of the better options out there. But I'd probably prefer to go one of the cheaper, one of the one of the cheap, cheap or cheaper mid-range guys. That like like the um the Pom Black the Raiders who just has a softer draw. I just prefer that route. So you're going to go like the the one cheap and one gun at the five eight and at the half, or you're going to try and go like three three cheapies. Um, I'm going to go uh, Cleary, the Pom, and two cheapies. Even, even if one ends up being enough, like Cross lose, probably not going to start yet. I'll, I'll probably take one or two nuts yep. at some point. Okay. So it's a bit of a different build to me, which is why I'm probably more interested in Sean Johnson than you. I'm looking at two guns. I want a, a starting seven yeah. that's a gun and a starting six that's a gun, and then I'll have the two cheapies. So. Yeah, that's fair enough. I've just been stung a lot over the last years by I think uh, there's been years where I've loaded up on SJ and JT and Cleary or things like that, only, only to get completely screwed over by a one or two of them because they just didn't perform earlier one went over and all of a sudden you've got $1.8 million worth of talent who have collectively scored, you know, 120, 130 points. I'd just much rather spend, you know, 700K on someone like Lala and go, you know what, at least I know that over three or four weeks he's going to give me a 70, 75 average and I can worry about sort of my half being comparable to, I don't know, um, someone else's sensory call. Yeah, that's a fair enough strategy to take as well. I can't disagree with that, mate. I think one interesting stat is I'm the same as you with Melbourne. I don't like anyone playing them. But Sean Johnson, funnily enough, um, his fifth highest score is against Melbourne. And his averages, uh, he actually stacks up really well. Uh, Melbourne, I think, is his fourth best average um, from the stats I was looking at earlier. Yeah, fourth best average. So he does pretty well against them for some reason. Um, Goal-kicking half, I think my... As a buyer for round one that's considering him, my main concern is his injury history. Um, four out of the last five seasons, he's averaged about 18 games a season. And most of them, it's it's come as an early season injury where you've had to sort of bench him pretty early. He was injured in round four last year, and then he came back for three games seven. And then he was off for a month of football again, um, or more than a month. He was off for six weeks before returning in round 14. So his injuries is going to be the, the hard thing. If you can get through the first half of the season... Uh, then I think that he might be pretty good as a, not hard, but certainly a lower ownership Sean Johnson than what we've ever seen before. Um, but he does have the round 12 buy. So for me personally, it might be a case of buying him for the first half of the season and seeing how he goes and then potentially selling him at buy time. Yeah. Just be wary if he goes down with that one injury and you get like a turn score, it completely offsets any type of decent score that you've actually made off him. That's that's my concern. Yeah. Why I'm not buying. And talking about risks, an even bigger one, mate, the other gun from the Sharkies, Andrew Fafita. Now, I'm a big Fifi fan for Supercoach. Um, I always have been. I've started with him many times. He comes in, again, another guy that's um, still maintained his gun status but hasn't been this cheap. In forever, you're talking like six years since he's been like this. Comes in with a 60 average in 2019. That's eight points below 2018. So before his 60 average, his four years prior, he's gone 68, 64, 72, and 73. Uh, I think the encouraging thing with his 60 average in 2019 is he was still just as productive. He was still looking at 1.21 ppm, uh, which is exceptionally good um, and like right in line with. You know, better than the two years prior and not quite as high as the other years, but still right up there. Uh, so that's encouraging. The thing that happened to him is he went down to 49 minutes a game. 
So it's really going to be about the minutes. He ended up with four games that he started off the bench from, uh, and a couple of games that he was hurt as well. So, um, you know, one game he only played seven minutes in, uh, where he's hurt. So he had five games where he was really affected. That's probably going to mean, um, value for us though. So he's obviously down quite a bit, Billy, on his minutes. I'm looking at him because I'm expecting him to get his minutes up. Um, and one of those reasons is because Paul Gallon's retired from the middle. Um, that's going to make a bit of a difference um, in their middle rotation as well. And obviously the year prior, they lost Matt Pryor. Um, so I think they're looking a bit thin on veteran experience. Um, he did show some good form um, in patches last year when he wasn't hurt, had the two tons do you think that Fifi is going to get back up and he's going to end up sort of mid to high 60s rather than that, you know, 60 just gun sort of status? If I had confidence in his knees, yeah, 100%. But I just don't know when he's going to go down. Um, I was talking to, I think it was Wacko who was talking to the other, you know, a couple of weeks ago and I'm pretty sure he made the comment he'd be surprised if his knees actually lasted the season. And I'm not sure if that was coming from him or coming from my resources, but... By someone that's that knowledgeable around the um, the, the training part, the training paddock of the teams, I'm just not willing to um, risk that sort of money on a, on a guy that can go down any time. Um, I think he's definitely undervalued, uh, like you said, because of all those short minute games. Gallon being gone, they need an alpha prop, but can you do it? Look, it's it's a bit of a hard one because I don't see him as being too expensive. Um, 554k. That's quite reasonable for a guy as good as him. Like, his worst possible season was still a 60 average. So, you know, he, and he started off last year pretty well. He went 63, 69, 50, and 89, 58, 106, 71, 45. His first couple of months were pretty good, and then he kind of fell off. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty torn because I, I get what you're saying with his knee. Um, one of the things that I was really surprised about is that there was a game where he returned from injury last year, and he was completely... Like, he was, he looked terrible. Um, he had his knee bandaged up real big time. It was after he came off that round nine game where he played seven minutes and scored 19 points. Everyone thought that he was gone for a month. And I was, I was already doing seven trades during that week, looking at options to sell him to. And then all of a sudden, at the last minute, no, Andrew Fafita's playing this week. And, you know, he came in and played 53 minutes, which wasn't huge, but it's good when he only had one leg. And he scored 100 points. And that wasn't with a try or anything or a line break. He just smashed it. And it's one of the things with Andrew Fafita's Supercoach game I really like. Even though he was lame, and even though it's bad for, for real football terms, he was doing that crab across field, and he ended up with like seven offloads. He wasn't trying to take hit-ups. He was just crabbing across the field, getting some real cheap tackle breaks, and throwing seven offloads in the game. Uh, and that's – I just – I'm a sucker for the tackle breaks and offloads. And Fafita seems to be able to do it even when he's hurt, as long as he can get on the park and get the minutes. So, yeah, like, talk me out of it, please. <laughs> I can talk you out of it. That's about it. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, look, uh, I think the one thing I'll give you there is, at his price, worst case scenario, if he goes down injured, um, it's probably unlikely he's going to go down the first two minutes. Surely at least you get a little bit out of him. Uh, you might have to burn a train, but at his price, you can probably downgrade to any any number of sort of people. So you've probably got to get a jail-free clause there. I don't think there's much risk in doing it. I would I would probably say just watch the trial and see how he goes over 45 minutes. If he's hobbling, stay away. 
if he's killing it and he's got that offload throwing it around and he, and, and, he, and he looks as fit as a bloke at 130 kilos look, mate, then yeah, yeah, go for broke. I think I'm still going to steer clear, but I wouldn't begrudge anyone doing it. He, I think a lot of people have had him as their second front row forward, putting him in, out, in, out, in, out, going, umming and ahhing. So, um, yeah, look with the with the lack of with the lack of options around that um second number, I think pretty much everyone's going to be Haas and one of Fafita, Knight, Tico, or some other like cheap ass option. Um, I think I've seen lots of people with the likes of Tedavano and things like that, which I'm not keen on. But I think a lot of people will have two rubbish bench. Cows, Haas, and well, I mean, Andrew Fitzgerald could end up, you know, the second best front row forward behind Haas, but his price is like the eighth best or something. Um, I mean, the thing is with the minutes, and this is where this is where trials also become important. And you mentioned a really good thing, Billy, and I'm glad that you did. A lot of people say trials don't mean anything, and you know, I see a lot of people rip, um, I guess, posts in some of the bigger groups because someone will post, oh, you know, blah, 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 look great in a trial, uh, and some, and they'll just get ripped apart because all these people will just jump on them and say, oh, yeah, but it's just a trial. You can't take anything from it. You know what you can take out of it? You can take if a guy's healthy and fit, and you can take out of it whether someone looks like they've been eating cheeseburgers for three months or someone's been hitting the gym for three months, and you can also check out whether someone's got a bandaged knee and hobbling around or whether they look like they've recovered fully, and that's the stuff to take out of trials. Yeah, true. The big one for me is generally the the very last trial, where they pretty much a lot of teams treat it as it's, it's a full seventeen. It's not like a list of sort of twenty nine players in the squad, and they generally do like a a, a match fit um, minute minute rotation. Like it's their final simulation before the go live event. So I generally get I'd like to think that um, you, you get a much better gauge as to who's going to play where and what the minute rotation is going to be for that last. Yeah, that final, for sure. That and look, um, just to finish off on Fifi. Before 2019, um, the three years prior, he basically averaged around 56 minutes a game. So that's a full seven minutes more than what he did in 2019. Um, and really in 2020, seven minutes isn't a lot to ask for if you consider you know, how they need that alpha prop like you mentioned. If he gets seven extra minutes at his PPM, that's a, that's a 68 average. And that's at a, a, it could even be more. Oh, he'll get, if, if he's healthy, he'll get it. Um... You've, all you've got to do is take out that um, game where he had, um, where he came up injured after I don't know, three minutes or ten minutes or whatever it was, and those bench games. As long as he's not starting the game off the bench, which you wouldn't think so, he's probably learned his lesson. You, you just count up those games where he was playing healthy, and what does it come to? What fifty-five minute games and sixty-five yeah. average or something? Yeah, yeah, it, it is know, pretty surprised. much. You're almost bang on the money, mate. He's sort of a high sixty average. Um, so I think that it's pretty much shut the gate that he's going to be value. And he is going to be less owned. So how less owned? You know, if he's like 15% owned, that starts to become pretty enticing for me. I think everybody just, if you get him in, like Billy said, have a look at the trials and stuff and, and see if you can, you know, see that he's actually fit um, and how he's looking. Um, and if he's not fit or he's limping at all, or there's any reports about his knee, maybe don't take the risk. Um, but... If none of that's there, uh, I actually think that he's a pretty good front row forward option, mainly because that price for what he could do, 550-odd K for a high 60s average potentially, yeah, that, that's gold for front row forward. Um, let's move on, though. Um, I've got uh, one guy under the risk category for the Sharkies, and once again, I've gone a bit controversial. I've gone for Jesse Ramian. He's 422K to start with, Billy. Um, he only averaged 45 points a game last year. 
Uh, a lot of people will talk about the fact that he wasn't happy at the Knights or he wasn't being used well and all, all these other things, and that all might be true. But when you read through his actual statistics for, for last season, it's really hard to look at. You know, he only had three out of 18 games that he actually hit 60. And nine out of 18 games, 50% of his games played, he was actually below 40 points. That is cringeworthy for an 80-minute player in any position. Um, in 2018, a lot of people will quote that uh, he was a gun when he was back at Cronulla in 2018 and all this other stuff. You know what, he played pretty well in real life. Um, but we've only seen a short sample size of his playing like that in his career, so I'm not prepared to say he's going to just start doing that again. But even in that gun year, Billy, he still only averaged 53 points a game in 2018. I'm someone who... I fail to see the value or why so many people like Jesse Ramian as a super coach option. I I really fail to see it at this point, so I'm just going to hand over to you. Yeah, and tell me I'm crazy, sell him to me, give me all these stats that tell me that I'm wrong, that I, I just really don't like him and I don't know why so many people are looking at him. No, mate, I don't have anything to disagree with you. When you put him down as a potential um, big balls pod or discussion point, I just kind of thought... No, I put him as risk. He's not a big balls pod at all. He's, <laughs> he's probably not going to be a pod. He's probably going to be 15%, 20% owned. And I just think he's a risk. Yeah. Yeah, no, all I did was look at the numbers the same as you, mate, and went, yeah... Average 45 last year. Okay, what did he have the year before? Oh, it was 53. Not exactly much difference. No, thanks. And I know a lot of people quit quoting, oh, yeah, but he was a gun at the Sharks. I mean, do you see him turning it around at the Sharks at all? Nah. Well, mate, even if he was gunning, he'd turn around and say, oh, you know, but he averages you know, so 20, tackle bus, 20 points in tackle bust a game. Yeah, okay, so that's 20 points of his 53. He obviously only makes 33 points in tackles and runs, so where's the extra coming Yeah, he only scored two oh, tries last year, and I mean... Admittedly, when I watched him, uh, there's a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, one, he was disinterested, so you could probably put that down to him being annoyed. Um, he wasn't going in and doing much work, but he, he looked slow with the ball in hand. He, he looked slow. He didn't look like he was moving that well laterally, which presented a lot of defensive challenges, which is what him and Brown um, ended up logging heads out. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, he didn't look fast, and there was a couple of times, one in particular, Caelan Ponga went nuts at him towards the end of his tenure because... He hardly ever backed up anyone, and that's why he didn't get many tries. And the one time he did, Ponga gave him the ball on his chest into the clear, and he just dropped it cold with the sticks in front of him to score a try. Oh, I don't know if you remember that one, but he, between his hands and his speed and how he looks, yeah, I, I think he's more of a pack row forward, really, than a centre. No, I'm married with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... No, uh, seriously, the only thing I'll give is... I'm sorry, I just thought of this one. I probably should have thought of it before. So, obviously, S- last year was SJ's first year at the Sharks, right? And Ramian wasn't there. If Ramian's right side, he's, right, he's off SJ, off Nakora, um, right, right in that sweet spot there. So, if SJ is going to be playing that right side predominantly um, and scoring sort of 80, 80 points a game like he did at the end of last year, could be the beneficiary of that. Is he going to be I'm right? I'm pretty sure that he's on uh, the right on SJ, so... Yeah, so that's probably a big tip in his favour. So um, he's not going to get any worse. So that 45 maybe might be looking a bit better than the 53. If he's with SJ, maybe he can bank on it being 57 plus. So wouldn't be that's a lot better. Wouldn't begrudge anyone taking um, a bloke that's 10 points undervalued. I mean, I'm doing that with Burns, so there's no reason why this bloke can't do it. Uh Probably a lot more Sharky fans will be doing it than others, but that is the positive point. He could very well 
get back to his 2018 average of 53, which on the surface, 53 isn't great, but it is eight points below his 45 in 2019, and therefore he's eight points undervalued. So you will get value, you will get 100k out of it if that happens. My issue with that is that that's probably his best case scenario, um, and he was looking a lot fitter and better in 2018. Maybe he can replicate it and you get 100k out of it. I personally think that there's better options to spend to get 100k, and I also think that there's many options where you can outlay a hell of a lot less than 422k with much less risk to get your money. Yeah, 100%. The better option is probably spending 200k less on one of those blokes that's priced at 220, 230. That's in a lot that you see pretty much every team play them for 25, 30 points and use that 200k to bump up a mini to a gun like Lala and just get the extra 30, 40 points again. Yeah, I think he's a massive risk. I wouldn't go near him. Um, I've been wrong before, so maybe I'll be wrong this time, but not even even looking at him one bit. Um, The next guy that we're going to talk about is a big balls pod, and that is Wade Graham. So Graham keeps getting hurt as well, and I feel like that it seems to be a theme with the Sharkies, Billy, where there's all these guys that are really good, but they just seem to keep getting hurt in Cronulla. I don't know what it is. It might be too many trips to Northies or something. Yeah, something like that. I think um, look, look, Graham Graham's a, a gun player, but when you go when you like he's he's not in the Origin side for no reason. But if you go and have a look at all his stats, he just seems to be um, seems to be hit and miss. Like he'll punch forties and fifties the whole year, but as soon as Origin comes comes around and everyone's sort of Origin Origin weary, it's like he just punches those eighties and nineties and then goes back to being a uh, yeah. It is a bit like that. I do think that he comes out. Um, from the origin period better, but I think some of that lately has been because he's been hurt. So, like, he didn't actually make his debut last year until round 13, and that only lasted three games. He only played a total of nine games in 2019 and 17 in 2018. So the last couple of years have been pretty injury-riddled. He ended up with a bit of a um, scare with his ankle injury on, on the weekend as well in the trial, but he's come out unscathed from that after scans, so he's going to be fine. But... As far as the numbers go, Billy, he's 530k and he had a 57 average. Um, but seven out of his nine, seven out of his nine were 50 plus. So most of the time he was hitting 50s for the year. Um, two out of those nine that weren't in the 50s ended up being 90 plus. So, so he was either hitting 50s or, or 90s basically, um, aside from two low scores. So some of that was because of all the attack. He seemed to be hitting a lot of attack and they were relying on him a fair bit. Um, whether that happens again. I mean, Chad Townsend on that side wasn't wasn't creating a hell of a lot, so they, I guess, could feasibly rely on Wade Graham as well a little bit more. And if they do, he's probably the sort of guy to find attack. Um, I I can't talk myself into it, but he did look really good on the field some of those games, and he hasn't had a, a healthy year in two years. In 2017, when he was last healthy, he he scored 60 points a game. So. It's still only a few points under Billy, though, isn't it? So it's probably not a big balls pod worth taking the risk on. Nah, not at all. He's one of those guys like Luke Capewell who you just, even if they play 80, you don't want all of a sudden, you know, they'll score 130, 140, 151 game from three games and that's it. If you're not on, you've completely missed the boat. So just wait for uh, that origin round and if he's the only bloke that sort of played 80 minutes in the bye period, yep. that's the only time. Uh, rookie cows for the Sharkies. Blake Braley, can you tell me why he shouldn't be 100% owned? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because if you desperate, because if you desperately want Cook and that, and if that Harry Grant ends up going to the Tigers, I would, I would not have him then. 
but other than that, unless Harry Grant's um, not, uh, not available, then, yeah, <laughs> I can't yeah, see the reason yeah. why. Yeah, and that's why a good point. Um, there was some news earlier today that Harry Grant has apparently asked for a release from the Storm. He really liked the look of what, what he was going to get at the Tigers as far as getting some game time and he's sick of waiting, so that's going to be interesting. Um, but if Harry Grant doesn't get released, um, then... Yeah, you know, a Cook and Braley option should probably be one of the more popular ones. Um, but Braley is coming in at 201k. He only played 30 minutes a game last year. Um, Billy, feasibly, as far as his minutes go, I think that his, his floor has got to be 55 uh, as an absolute floor. So he's probably close to 50% undervalued as it is. And, you know, as a ceiling, they might even try and push him to 80 minutes because he's come out and said that he wants to play it. They lost Cameron King to an ACL injury and Magulius could just be either emergency backup if he gets hurt or maybe his spot starts for 15 minutes to give him a, a 15-minute breather and he's like a 65-minute sort of guy. How do you see it going as far as his minutes? Ooh, something to disagree on. Um, <clears throat> I I don't think he's going to get 80 minutes. I think he'll probably get no the, the majority of the game. However, I think he's going to be just, just like his brother. I can, I can see him scoring horrid sort of 35s and 40s, even with the 65 minutes. I just don't see him as one of those. Oh, I don't think he'll score that right well, um, but I think that he'll make 100k pretty quickly because he's only 201k. So I wouldn't be playing him. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll make money. I just oh, sorry, I thought you said he was going to be sort of average. Oh, 55 minutes. Sorry, 55 minutes, sorry, 55 minutes um, was sort of the floor. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, uh, sorry. Maybe I'll stop one. <laughs> no, I didn't go off the deep end. I don't expect him to do a 55 average, although it would be nice. But no, 55 minutes, I think, he's, is probably his floor if he ends up getting subbed for a bit. Yeah, yeah, probably kind of agree with that, mate. I'm not so playing the plane at all. I do think that it's a bit risky, though, as far as I've seen a, a few people go for the full cheap hooker build. And if Harry Grant does end up going to the Tigers, some people are going to go Braley and Grant. And I've seen the argument that, well, Braley's got a lot of opportunity in front of him, so I'll just play Braley, or you know, and, and or I'll drop Cook for Harry Grant and play Braley. Now, there is a lot of money to spend elsewhere. The problem with that is that you get stuck with playing a, a, a Blake Braley every week. And if you do that and he's punching out 42 points, it's still going to make quite a bit of money. But 42 points each week from your hooker spot to start with is a bit of a killer, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. I keep tossing up with the idea that, oh, you know, I can easily make those points elsewhere, but the difference between Cook and Bradley versus the difference between, say, Lolo and another mid, mid-range guy, it's a lot different. Cook and punch. Let, let's, let, let's say Cook goes ballistic. Actually, no, let, let's be realistic. Let's say, let's say Cook goes mediocre by his standards and averages sort of, um, you know, sort of 65, as opposed to Bradley, who, let's say, he goes really well and scores, you know, sort of... Um, uh, no, 55. So that's a, that's a 10 point difference, all right? And that's absolute my worst case scenario, I would think. Do you really think that starting a guy like Fafita over Lolo for, would make, would make, or a, a cheaper guy over, Lo, over Lolo would be, um, that much of a difference? Close is the best case scenario, but yeah, uh, probably, uh, yeah, for the price difference. For the price, the price difference is less risk. There's less risk. There's less risk of getting a mid mid price forward who can maybe offset Lolo, offset another another forward 
with uh, just uh, tackles and hit-ups versus a guy like uh, Cook, Cook versus uh, Bradley, who you know is going to have that, 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 that explosive clutch. Oh, I haven't seen, uh, I just, I, And your analysis is spot on as far as, you know, 55 versus 65 Cook is the best-case scenario, and I don't think we're going to get it. I think the realistic scenario is more like, um, you know, a 65 to 45. Um, it's probably closer to... It's probably going to be closer to a 20-point difference in reality. And making up 20 points with that extra money, um, you, know, you, you might be able to get close to it if you're really clever and you hit well, um, but you, you need to hit on a couple of big upgrades. And, yeah, I, I just think that it's a lot more secure going the, the Braley and Cook. And one of the things that I've mentioned on the pods before, um, and you have as well, Billy, is... It's important to make a lot of money and it's important to make it as early as possible. But there is a line in the sand where if you cross it, all of a sudden you're playing the game to make money and not to score points. And if you do that, you're going to fall too far behind. You've got to remember that you've got to be able to score good points as well. It's no matter, it doesn't make any difference in round 12, showing off your team's salary cap being, you know, five million more than, than another guy if that other guy's 50,000 spots ahead of you. Yep. So mate. some of the other cheapies for the Sharkies that are going to emerge. We've got two forwards. Um, Magulius is a guy that I mentioned. Um, now, Magulius played really well for Newtown. He was quite versatile, and he might be the guy that ends up um, coming off the bench and spot um, starting at hooker for some of his minutes. He is only 222k. Um, he's pretty much all but guaranteed a bench spot. But um, some people think that he might be fighting it out for that lock spot, um, which more looks like Williams is going to get. But if he's named on the bench, Billy, I sort of see him as maybe being 15 minutes for, you know, a, a Braley interchange and then maybe another uh, 25 minutes to go into lock um, to give Williams a rest. Yeah, I um, um, even if he's on the bench, mate, I'm still going to be um, grabbing him. Where I think Magulius wins is obviously with the um, the forwards who have actually left left the Sharks. Um, obviously, Williams is the one that's being promoted. I think he probably goes and takes um, Williams' bench minutes. So he goes from uh, what sort of 26, 27, 28 minutes to what maybe sort of 40, 45 or something. I reckon he probably. Um, uh, has an extra sort of 40% load. So probably puts him, let's say, bumping him up to a sort of 45 average. I think at his price, it's, it's he's, he's close enough to that base 171,000K. He's not going to score 10 points. You know he's going to get a few minutes. I yeah, and look, um, I've mentioned um, on the podcast this last week um, with Cowboy that um, you know, bench, bench forwards are normally poison, and a lot of the time they are. I think the difference with Magulius that makes him palatable is he, he's not like he's not going to fall into that last spot on the bench rotation. He's going to get minutes, um, and he is in the mix to start at thirteen. So they are going to play him, and they do really like him. So when you've got a bench forward that's going to sort of get forty minutes plus, um, yeah, that's it, it's not really the super coach poison of um, a guy that's going to get you know fifteen to twenty five minutes on the end of a bench and be a little bit volatile. So probably a little bit more safety there. Where does he sit in the in regards to the pecking order? Like, let, let's say Fafita goes down, or um, or um, Williams goes down, or Woods goes down, or Bradley goes down. Where does he? Where, well, where does he I think in? if any of the back rowers go down, um, and that might even be like whether it's Edge or whether it's the the thirteen. Um, that's when I think he come. He'll probably come straight into the starting side. 
Um, so I, I think that he will be straight in the starting side. If one of the props go down, then it's really going to be Ueli that comes into the starting side um, because you know, Magulius can't play prop. Um, Jack Williams probably can't play prop either, so it's probably not going to matter for him. So I don't think Fafido getting hurt is going to matter. But, you know, we spoke about my mate Wade Graham um, being hurt all the time. You know, he could very easily go down again. And if he does, Magulius is going to be the first guy off the bench to be promoted into that back row. Uh, isn't yeah, he is, but he's, he's pretty old now. Um, and sort of, they haven't used him that much really of late. I don't think that he's, I think that the other guys have overtaken him myself. Yeah, I have struggles, I have trouble saying that. Isn't he old? <laughs> well, I mean, to put it in perspective, he's just hit his 30s, so in rugby league years, that's older. And his minutes have gone down sharply from being consistent mid to late 40s to only 35 minutes a game in 2019. So. Um, I don't, I don't see him going back up. And in fact, when they had some, um, when they had some injuries last year, like when Wade Graham was down, um, he still stayed in Jersey 15. He didn't go anywhere. Um, he never started a game aside from one out of his 16 games last year. So I don't think he's going to be looked at. I think it's going to be Magulius myself. Yeah, right. I just, yeah, I think, uh, I think, sorry, I'm just remembering back to a couple of years ago. I remember young Magulius being rated as one of the sort of top five prospects coming out, saying, you know, um, kids are workhorse, kids an animal. He's basically Paul Gallon uh, number two. So I've been waiting for this kid. He's kind of like the old Tao Moga <laughs> from a few years back. So this kid has done it that way. Let's just hope he actually turns into a Gallon. Yeah, Moga. for sure. I mean, I think it really is. Um, and the next guy that we're going to talk about is, is Williams, and he's at 397k. So we may as well start talking about him now. I really think from the young guys in that Sharks pack, it's Williams and Magulius are the guys that, they're going to, that are going to step up and that have been rated. They are fighting it out for that 13 jumper. Williams is meant to have it, but there's a chance that Magulius ends up with it, um, or maybe they even split minutes. So I'm, I'm pretty okay to be starting with Magulius at 222k. The difference with Williams, though, he's going to get a starting gig, and that might mean you know 15 to 20 minutes a game more, but... He's close to 400k, and I'm a lot more cagey on starting with Jack Williams than um, uh, a Magulius. You know, he's he's still got a, he's got a great PPM. He's a very good player. Um, you know, he averaged 43 points in his 37 minutes a game last year. He's going to go up. He's going to make money. Um, I am a little bit worried on his split of minutes. You know, like I've, I was worried that they're going to try and give Magulius more time, and if they do, then it's going to be at the expense of Williams, in which case, instead of maybe sort of 55 minutes, he only goes up to sort of 50 minutes, and that can make quite a difference. You know, where do you see Williams fitting in as a, a 13 of the Sharks, minutes-wise, and we're Funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I, just had a, I just had an hour back and forth with a, with a catfish just uh, talking about this. I, um, I couldn't understand why... Um, Williams wasn't wasn't more owned by most people. I kind of I, I had Williams as the second purchase behind Papahusen, um, thinking okay, so he's pretty much around one one ppm. Uh, he's going to go from real shit minutes to maybe sort of 50, fifty five minutes. Um, I kind of figured he'd take, he would just take gallons of minutes um, directly. Um, Gallon was eased back in. Um, Beginning of last year, so if you take his first three game three games out, where he's had twenty minutes, thirty minutes, forty minutes, they built him up. He pretty much had a fifty nine minute average. Then he had like another three really really low minute games where he had like a twinge or something, and they eased him back. 
and then he averaged eight, sorry, 59 minutes again for the rest of the season. But Wilf seems to think that um, uh, it was a really good point that, um, uh, what's his name, Fafita was obviously coming off the bench back then. Um, Gallon's uh, last hurrah after 45 years with the Sharks, so they obviously wanted to play him and give him a decent send-off. So there is, I'll have to give Wolf that, there is some conjecture around how many minutes William is actually going to get because you have to have that rotation. They do have a bench utility there. I think he's probably going to be, I'm kind of hoping for 55 minutes plus, but it's probably more realistic to expect that Williams is going to get sort of at least 50, but with a base plus uh, base plus base attack uh, PPM of around sort of one, um, I think you can bank on 50. You just need to ask yourself how many minutes do you think he's going to get and how much more upside do you think there's going to be. So I'm on the fence now. I had him 100% in my team for the last 10 weeks, but contemplating taking him out. I don't think they're going to have a bench sure. utility. It's going to be Magulius is going to be the utility because he can play hooker as well. Um, and Wade Graham can move either to centre if he yeah. has to or into the halves. So I think they're pretty covered. Uh, the bench utility, if they had one to cover hooker, was going to be Cameron King and he's gone. And I don't even think he was in the 17 anyway. So I think their makeup of their bench, it's probably going to be Ueli. Um, he's going to be straight into the prop rotation, in a three-way prop rotation. Um, Magulius, the young Rudolph um, prop, and also um, Bukuya, who was a 35-minute-a-game player last year. So that's probably the four. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that rotation, mate. Um, yeah, look, it makes it even worse if they're not really going to have a bench utility. But well, in saying that, like you said, uh, does that does that potentially make Magulius... Not as a, I'm obviously going to have him in the team, but I kind of thought he would just be rotating, um, rotating through the middle. But so, what do you think he does? Do you think he spells hooker as well as just rotates um, for Woody? Yeah, I think that that's pretty much going to be his role. Um, so if you think that Jaden Braley's not going to play 80 minutes, then maybe Magulius has got 15 there, and you know 25 at lock. If you think Williams is going to get 55. And that's that's sort of going to give you 40 minutes of Magulius, which is going to be okay. The thing is, because Magulius only played two games last year, he's discounted. So he's only 222k. He should probably be a little bit more. Um, so you probably got more value in Magulius if he does get those minutes in the 40s. But, you know, it's a lot of guesswork. Um, maybe we'll see a bit of it in the trials, but maybe we won't. I'm kind of scared about all of them, really. Um, I just think because I'm not spending much on Magulius... There's not that much risk, but Jack Williams is, is 400k. That's a lot of cash um, to spend. Like, so there's a fair bit of risk there. I, I just like I just like the idea of having uh, having a lock. Someone is someone in the middle of the park, and you know who's going to you know is going to get sort of tackles and hit ups, regardless of how many it is. Um, kid, kid, been I've been told the kid's a bit of a hog. You look at his numbers, and that kind of reflects that he doesn't really have any sort of tackle bus or offload, so don't expect anything fancy, but it does seem to have a work rate. It's just the minutes. Like a, I'm really happy it's sort of 55 plus, 55, but might have to be happy with 50, but if that's the case, maybe look elsewhere. I really, yeah, I really it's, don't and look, I'm, I don't mean to talk him down. Um, I could see him being an absolute cracker option. Like, he, he could be a phenomenal option because he is a great worker. He's got almost, almost one of his points per minute is just in base. So he's, if he gets the minutes, he's going to be good. And there might be a reality where he gets 65 minutes. And, you know, if that happens, 
he's going to he's going to be a gun. If he gets 65 minutes, he's going to be a gun. He'll average 60 plus, and all of a sudden, he's hugely valuable. The problem is that we don't know that. Um, so I would rather see it first. And you know, like we've spoken about so many times, we're probably all going to get a couple of forward injuries in that first month anyway. Um, so Williams is one of those guys where I've said, you know what, I might feel better since he's 400k just parking him. And he's going to be on my list of guys where if I get an injury and he busts out that first two two rounds, I'm just going to downgrade my injured guy to him and end up banking some cash and get his 60 points or whatever he's doing and, and be happy with that as opposed to the risk of spending 400k on him for round one. But I understand if you did it, Billy. Completely understand. Yeah. I got to ask this question before, like this afternoon. So where do you think his minutes come from? I didn't. I didn't even bother answering that. I just kind of figured it'd be a straight spot for Gallon. But you know what? When you think about it, there are teams out there like uh, that have um, ger- that have Jervos and um, like really, really big minute kind of middle guys. And just because you've got four guys on the bench doesn't mean they're all, they're all going to get sort of you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes. And there are teams out there that have guys who get absolutely fuck all game time. So. If the kid's good enough, I don't see why they... Like, I know they're going to sort of lead him in, but if the kid's good enough, I don't see why they would they would pull him off just to give just give the other guys a rotation. I mean, Gale played 80 minutes his entire career. The next guy I'm going to talk about is Woods. So let's talk about him, because one of the things that we talk about with Fafita is he only played 49 minutes a game. He's got to have more minutes in the middle, surely, if he's healthy. And say he gets an extra six or seven minutes in the middle... One thing about Woods that makes him interesting is a lot of people are looking at him going, Aaron Woods is due more minutes. So some of those middle minutes, you know, you could end up going on one of these guys as well. Um, that's the other thing. Aaron Woods comes in at 450k. He was 45 minutes a game last year, which was his lowest since his rookie year. But his PPM has always been pretty consistent. Going back to like, say, 53 minutes, which, you know, he did 51 minutes in 2018, 63 61 and 59 the years prior. You know, if he just goes up to, you know, five extra minutes a game, um, he all of a sudden looks like he, he might increase even eight points a game on what he did the year before. And then he becomes pretty, pretty undervalued. Um, one of the things that was a little bit concerning when you look at it is he did have three games that were between 51 and 52 minutes last year and he only did 47 points a game across those three. He only did 47 points a game across those three, but it is a pretty small sample size. So um, I tend to think that there might be some value there. He is a front row forward where it's a little bit um, barren, as we've said, but all of a sudden, Billy, 450K when we've got guys like Knight that have started to come through as a, a pretty big option in the front row forward, um, and also guys like to power for, for more money that look like they're going to get more minutes and Guys like TKO who might be goal-kicking. Front row forwards become really interesting for me because a lot of guys look like they might be good now as options. And someone like Aaron Woods I'm no longer looking at because I just think that he might be meat and potatoes and, yeah, go up a little bit, but, you know, not not have the points that these other guys are going to have in them. Yeah, Woods is one I've never looked at and I, I vomit every time I <laughs> cross his name in there. Just... I, I can't respect a bloke that goes into into a line with his back turned looking at offload before he even hits it. Even if he gets sixty minutes, I'm not interested in his point nine five ppm. He's just got he's just not gonna get any clutch, no base attack whatsoever. I just, just don't like him. I just well, don't want him anywhere near my team. In fairness, four in the last team. five seasons he's been over one one ppm. Alright. I'll, I'll give you the <laughs> just for Well, you know, one PPM. I, I think, look, I think that he'd be interesting. And I'm, 
there's a lot of really good super coaches that are look at him, looking at him because he's 450k and because they think that he might get more minutes. I do think that he will get more minutes. Um, I do think that he'll go up five minutes a game, but I don't think that's going to be enough to go for him over other options. Um, I think that in real life, though, Billy, I think that he's going to make a really good impact. I think that they need him and Fafita to step up, so I think that he's going to play pretty well. I would much rather teach, uh, take a massive um, PPM bench forward who's going to get sort of 30 minutes and play him over once. <laughs> save the save the 200k and use it elsewhere. I just, just, yeah, just he, he doesn't have enough high scores either. His ceiling isn't great. Um, he used to be he used to be really, really good. Um, about three years ago, I really liked having him in front row forward. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen for Supercoach uh, for round one. So I reckon to steer clear. That might be it for the Sharkies, mate. We might uh, move on to the Penrith Panthers. Well, that was record time. It took six hours. So, um, Penrith Panthers for this year. Now, they were obviously pretty disappointing last year. Uh, I think a lot of people thought they might be top four and um, definitely top eight, and they disappointed everybody. Uh, they lost some pretty important players, um, and they brought in a couple of good ones too. So, let's have a look at their signings. Um, so, probably the big one that they've lost is going to be James Maloney. Um, and I think that that's a pretty huge loss, but it does open the door for obviously some potential um, with some money making in the halves for the Penrith Panthers. The other guys that they've lost as well, Regan Campbell-Gillard has gone over to the Eels, Katoa has gone over to the Bulldogs. A couple of old props in Grant and McHenry have retired. Wade Egan goes to the Warriors, Fulmano to the Dragons, um, and then pretty much uh, a whole heap of depth guys. New faces-wise, though, they've got Appy Coruscant in, which is a big one. Uh, Crichton, they, they rate quite a bit. Um, Kirk Capewell and Zane Tedavano, who a few people are looking at. So, few changes, Billy. Um, I'm not sure what to make of the Panthers myself. I did think that they were going to go better this year. Um, but then I had a look at their side. And the fact that Dylan Edwards is hurt as well for the, for the first part of the season too. And I just sort of thought, you know what? I kind of think no Maloney's going to really hurt them. Um, and I'm sort of looking at it going, oh, I'm really not sure that they are going to go that much better. Uh, how do you see the Pennant Dancers season for 2020? Oh, I think, well, uh, what do you call it? Um, Cleary just plays a bit more right side as well as left side. I think I think he comes right back to where he was in the last few years. Um, so he, he's better for them. Um, I actually think Aitken, Aitken is a really good fullback, so... Uh, I think you'll go well. I'm not sure how many games that Brian to whatever whatever his name um, is. I think those those sorts of players are really some kind of lifting a bit. They've got kick out back as well, so Fisher Harris is playing some good some good footy. I I think they'll um I think they'll bounce back from that uh, yeah. horrid start they had last yeah, year. Yeah, you could may you may well be right. Um, but looking at their draw real quickly before we go into their players, they've got the Roosters first up, so that's not a great start. Then they go on to the Dragons at Jubilee Stadium. Then they have the Storm. And then they go on to the Broncos at Panthers Stadium at least. Uh, then they've got Canberra at Panthers Stadium at least. And then they've got the Tigers at Panthers Stadium. So three Panthers Stadium games in a row are pretty nice to have. Then they're away at Newcastle. And then round eight, uh, we round off the first couple of months of the draw away at the Gold Coast. So they got finishing off that couple of months really well. And even the harder games before that, they've got three games in a row at Penn Stadium. The flip side of that, though, Billy, is that they do play, you know, Canberra, Melbourne and the Roosters in the first five rounds. I think they'll really be looking forward to that type of game. <laughs> I think Supercoaches will as well. Talking about guns, you mentioned one, and I know that you can't wait to talk about him. So 
why don't we just cut to the chase, forget about me buying you a few drinks before I take you home, and we'll just go straight to Nathan Cleary for you. Cleary's uh, had a great season last year. Um, we were talking about quite a bit. We were both a big fans starting with him last year. He started off very disappointing, but we stuck with him. He ended up averaging 68 points a game last year, uh, which is actually his second best season quietly. Uh, the year before, he was 62, so he's six points better um, on his improvement, and he's close to his peak season in 2017 at 70 points a game. So he did a lot better. Um, obviously, has the full-time goal kicking now as well. Um, Maloney's not going to be there, so that's pretty safe. He ended up finishing on a real tear, and I think that that was, that was a big thing. Five out of his 21 games were, were 80 plus, which is huge, but he had a 186 and a 139, uh, which is absolutely massive, and that came both in the last five weeks. As a result, um, his last eight games, two months of the season, he averaged 82 points. So, you know, that, that was really showing what type of upside he has as a super coach player that last couple months of the season. He's definitely got potential to hit 70s as an average, um, but he is going to come in at 632k, so he's not cheap. I know you're super keen. You've already got him locked into your house for, for round one, and I'm pretty sure that he's going to stay there for you, isn't he? Yeah. I, I must admit, I didn't have him to start the season. I had uh, Moses in there uh, purely because of uh, that right side and the draw. I just really wanted to capitalise on, on him. But he's all through again. One of the things he sold me was, uh, and, and I, I already knew this, like Moses being completely high, high, high fluck. Um, but having but having that home, home draw was really good. But he does have the tendency to have those 20s or 22s, 23 scores in his game, whereas Cleary just seems to have that 40-45 floor. So even if Cleary doesn't really, really perform, I kind of kind of really like the idea of a floor of 40-45, got the goal kicking back, got those home those three home games that you talked about, doesn't have Maloney anymore. I think that is what really kind of sold me, Kurt. Sold me to have at least one dominant half in there that I could just kind of bank on. So that was that's the reason. Yeah, yeah look, it's it's a real fair call. I really like Cleary um, for this year. His base base attack for a halfback's really good. He's got a raw base of twenty three points a game last year, but when you add in his um, uh, you know, his offloads and his tackle breaks, he's you know, like you said, he's mostly giving you forties a lot of the time, and then he's got because he's got the goal kicking as well. So yeah, I really like that floor. I think it's a really good point with him. Is he someone though when you look at it as you know, 632k is roughly 50k more than a Mitchell Moses, for example. Do you look at it as Moses has got a better draw? He could probably do the same as Cleary or even better across the first couple months, and you can look to get to Cleary a bit later on? No, because Moses, Moses can score 90 in three games straight and then score 20 and 20, and all of a sudden, all, all the money, all the points and all the money that you've made off it, he's, he's kind of comes back to comes back to the pack a little bit and then all of a sudden those home games and those easy teams have gone and then all of a sudden he's up in Melbourne and you've got that conundrum uh, shit he's got a break even of you know uh, 100, 140 he's averaging sort of 85 but he's just scored you know, two twenties in a row and what do I do to a hold him what do I sell him and if you don't make the right decision then all of a sudden everything every good thing that you've done is just completely gone whereas clearly will still be averaging at 65 70 the whole time and just laughing going you know what um, I've got exactly what I paid for. I know he's going to keep producing. I know he's going to keep kicking goals, and he's just going to keep getting better from here. Whereas Moses, you just need to be concerned about the whole time. So, 
that's kind of what that's kind of my uh, mind. See, what if I replace that word "concerned" with Moses and just said "exciting"? Because maybe you know it's more exciting to be on the edge of your seat, hoping that Moses is going to get off nine points with twenty minutes to go. If you if you be positive, Billy, it can be a bit of fun. (laughs) (laughs) You're being positive, yeah. But I was a. I was trying to be ultra positive last year, last year with SJ, and he did worse than Moses. So now you ask me to take a, less, a lesser player and hope for more output with the same <laughs> enthusiasm I had last year. Mate, you get it. Um, no, seriously, last year the the numbers I gave you, I think I think uh, Cleary was my shortest um, uh, player profile last year, and it was, went something like average without kicking goals, forty eight kicking goals, seventy two. Just by him. So, me fact he's kicking goals again this year, and um, Maloney's gone. I think I'm just going to have the same verdict, mate. Just by him. I priced at a 68. You know, you're at least going to get what you pay for, whether it's now or in sort of eight rounds. But in a half, you can afford to take a couple of lower ones early, knowing that you're going to be around. Yeah, look, even if he struggles a little bit, he's still going to average low 60s, and that's going to be if he struggles. So, I definitely see the appeal. He he posted 139 and 186 last last year too. So he's one of those guys that can that can be a VC option each week as well. So you can use him as a VC in maybe one of those home games or the Titans game and pray that he yep. one of those out. Of I've actually well. got um, I had Cleary in as my first halfback for for a month, um, and then I switched over to Moses, and that was purely because I couldn't afford some other gun players um, without that 50k. So I needed that. He was a bit expensive, and I looked at the draw and went, no, I'm going to take the punt on Moses. But I think the Cleary is going to be probably the best halfback of the year. Um, I think that's a pretty safe bet. He's going to be the number one half in Supercoach. So can't say that he's a bad option. Even with the draw, um, you can discount him a little bit because of his flaw. Like Billy said, he's very reliable. So even if he has bad games, they're not going to be that bad. He's got the kicking and the base-base attack as a halfback that most other halfbacks, if not all other halfbacks, don't have. So lot to offer. Um, great purchase. It's just not going to be for me for cost reasons, but I might change my mind. Another guy that had a huge year and put himself in the gun status was James Fisher-Harris. Now, Fisher-Harris last year, um, I was hesitant on buying him because, you know, he he never really played big minutes before. And he just sort of, he went into the 13 and then back into the 11 and... Then back to the 13 jumper, back to the 12, and then all of a sudden mid-season, he ended up as a prop, and he ended up doing that for about half the season. And it looks like he's probably going to be the prop to start round one. That's probably going to be big minutes for him. Um, he averaged a massive 77 minutes a game last year, and even when he was a prop, he was you know basically an 80-minute type of player. That meant that he had a 66-point average, Billy, and it also meant that he was in the top few players in raw base stats. He had a 56 average in raw base. Um, I've said to a couple of people earlier um, in this offseason, oh, I'm not really that interested in James Fisher-Harris at 616K. Had a career year, massive increased opportunity. But the more I look at the numbers, you know, 14 out of 24 were 60 plus. Only two out of 24, he went below 50, so he was solid as a rock. Um, the more I look at it, the more I think, you know, he's a pretty good foundation piece to start your pack. Oh, yeah. Look, <laughs> super coach wise the guy is great. You're going to pay a certain amount of money and get exactly what you pay for, but you're not going to get anything out of him that's going to elevate you above someone else. So 
you can get Cook and a cheapie, or you can get this guy and another guy around this price range, and he's going to give you exactly what you asked for. He's not going to give you that extra 10 15% in order to project you above um, you know, any one of the other super coaches out there that have exactly the same budget as you. So for me, he's, he's a classic example of not, not getting more than what you pay for, so yeah. he's a lame. Um, I mean, playing devil's advocate, say, though, that because of his you know, 66 points a game, that it's it's fine to get what you pay for and you just want to use him as a foundation piece for round one? If it was someone like Haas, yeah, because you can use him as a captain option and you know that a bloke like that is more than likely to break through a couple of lines and score a try and maybe even sort of get get more than that sort of 75 at the average. This bloke here, I just... I think he's more of a chance for, for regression rather than actually maintaining. I mean, what if Cleary turns around and decides, you know what, I don't want my my front row forward to play 80. I want him to play sort of, you know, 70, 72 minutes. I'll give him like a few minutes spell. Like, there, there's absolutely, there, there's not much room for um, him to improve and the slightest, the slightest margin um, in minutes or any type of change from forward to second row, there, there's, there's more there's more risk of him actually regressing. So I don't think he's as much of a staple as someone like Haas or Tom Alala. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I do feel a little bit bad. I think we're giving maybe not enough love that, you know, as, as James earned last year, because he certainly had a fantastic super coach year, but have to agree with Billy. I think there's better options to spend that type of money on. Um, you know, it, I mean, Billy rattled off some good middle forwards. There's also some, other good edge forwards like a Ryan Madison or a Cam Murray for similar price points I'd rather have. Um, might be 30k difference for Murray, but you're going to get a lot more out of it. Um, I'd rather have those guys on the upside. I just think that those guys, like Billy sort of alluded to, have earned it. Um, and those are the sort of guys you want to start with. Uh, Fisher-Harris, he might he may very well regress. And, you know, it might only be a three, four-point regression, um, but that's, that's pretty huge for him to go down to early 60s rather than mid-60s in average. I, I just think that there's better options. Moving along, Kikau is another one of their guns, and mate, he burnt me massively last year. I was so into Kikau, and he just ended up having a really lame year with injuries. So he averaged 58 for the year, so he lost his gun status. 61 points the year before, where he really came into his own. Um, he really seemed to look, I guess, lame the whole year. He had some leg injuries and was out a couple of different times, and then other times he looked like he wasn't going too well, so his minutes kept going up and down. Um, as a result, his, his points kept going up and down as well. His offloads and tackle breaks seemed to drop off a little bit as well. Seemed very healthy in the in the nines, though. I don't know if you saw him, but he was absolutely carving up in the nines. Yeah, the nines were obviously really engaged. <laughs> well, I had this argument with, with, with a few of our guys as well, and I was saying, you know, it's, you don't use the nines, you know. It, it, one thing I liked no. about it was that I could see that he was moving freely and he was moving really healthy and he had no leg issue at all and he was actually trying to get through the line or make breaks rather than just sort of pull up. Yeah. No, look, mate, the one thing I'm going to rattle off you, um, and feel free to disagree, I don't know how many times I was watching him last year and he'd be on 40 points with three minutes to go and go over the line, jump to 70. Here's, here's some scores where he's actually scored a try. 78 line break try. 88 line break try. 70 line break try. 111 two line breaks, two tries. 70 line break try. If you take all the games where he's actually scored a try out of the equation, he's only got two scores yep. over 55. 
Yeah. I yeah, I can see why you don't like it. Um, for round one, I can't do it because I actually think that um, he benefits from, from hitting some weak edges. And I think that, you know, edges like the Raiders, Roosters and Storm are just going to be too tough. I don't think that he's going to end up going that well. Having said that, he, he did really well against the Roosters last year in one of the games. But I think that's, that's going to be a tougher draw for someone like Kikia than what it is for Cleary. So I'm I'm pretty against starting with him as well. Yeah, and to, to be fair, to be 100% fair, that's kind of like saying I don't like Teddy because he's, he's scored a lot of tries. To yeah. Of course he freaking did. Oh, <laughs> of course he does. Oh. That's... That's what that's what Kicker does. He's a beast. He's going to score those. So don't think I'm being, um, you know, an arsehole saying that you're a fool for starting with Kicker. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. Me personally, I just don't want to bank on a guy going out of line to to a score. I just I would much rather just pay. For yeah, that and I think that's the way to go. I think that he is a bit volatile. Um, I, I'm going to say though, I think that he's going to improve his season. I think that he is going to average sixties. I just it's one of those things where. One of the good things to do is to kind of break up the season in segments. Like, and everyone will notice that I sort of look at the first two months as one segment as far as my round one outlook on guys. It's really good to break it up in segments because, you know, Kikau might average 64 points a game, which is a really good season for him, and six points below where he's priced at. But he might do that by only averaging 50 points a game for the first eight rounds and then, you know, 75 for the run home after the first eight rounds. Something like that is, you know, might be might be how it rolls to get his 64-65 average. So I'm much more interested in him as a, a mid-season purchase. I actually think mid-season, or if you're not worried about round 12 because Penrith don't play it, get him in for that Titans game. I think they play the Tigers and Titans back-to-back. Um, those are some edges that might open up for him, um, and that might be a time to get him in. So I do think that he'll be good, Billy. I don't want us to sound like, you know, we're both down on him. Just for round one and the start of the season, I, I just don't think that it's going to be a good enough average to spend that. Okay. I'm down on him. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you're saying, mate. Look, uh, he's one of those guys that when it comes, particularly when it comes to um, buy, uh, buy planning and buy time, there's not many people to choose from. And he's one of those blokes that you go, yeah, everyone else is depleted. <laughs> he's likely going to go to the line, just get him in. You can hold him. You can hold him playing fit for a few games and then bench him playing whatever you want. But yeah, 100%, mate. He's an option at some point. Just pick and choose when you want yep. to do it. And if you are playing with guys, it's going to be hard to get him sort of round eight. But getting for that second buy and just leave him in your, in your, in your second row forward rotation, like Billy said, is some depth. And you can do that fine for the run home. Now we're going to look at some risk. Mate, Ted Abano, you mentioned before, and I tell you what, he's found his way in a few teams. And as a Roosters fan that watched him, I've been slightly perplexed. I mean, he's only 311k. I know people are desperate not to spend a prop. But, you know, he started six times last year, and he averaged 40 in his six starts, and he only played about 43 minutes, which is only, you know, five or six minutes more than what he normally plays off the bench. That's because he's never really been a big-minute player. So I'm hesitant to see how he's going to get, you know, 50, 55 minutes at the Panthers. Um, just because he's going over there as a new signing. I think, I think a lot of people are looking at it like that, and I just don't think that he's that type of player. Um, there's not a lot to go down. He's, he's averaged 37 points, uh, 37 minutes a game the last two years. 33 points a game for his 37 minutes last year, which isn't good. And the year before was 37 points a game for his 37 minutes, which was better at one PPM. Um, 
Are you seeing the upside that a few super coaches are seeing in starting with him at 311k? No, nah, not at all. Um, especially when you consider what you just said before about James Fisher Harris playing 80 minutes in the in the 10 jersey. So this bloke's going to be the other prop. Um, <laughs> where, where's that? Where yeah, I mean, James Tamau's. You know, you got one of the one of their leaders in James Tamau out on the field. He's not going to go down to 30 minutes a game or something. He's, he's going to be a, he's going to be a bench prop, surely. Like yeah, yeah I think he has a, getting a starting gig. No, nah, and even if he did, I reckon he kind of stayed. Best case scenario, probably takes to the 45 minutes. I and at a 0.9 ppm, 45 minutes. No thanks. Even if you got 55 minutes, 0.9 ppm. Yeah, at I, that I think price, it's really no. risky. Um, I don't say about many guys, but if you've got him in there, get him out of your team. Get someone else. Either pay the extra to get someone like Knight, um, or go down to a cheaper guy like a Musgrove or someone if they get named. Um, and that's sort of what you you should be looking for. Yeah. Look, his high his highest score last year was fifty five off sixty four minutes. Uh, uh, after that, it was what forty three, and he played pretty much twenty. He played twenty one games. Even, even if a bloke is only coming off the bench and playing sort of ten, fifteen, twenty minutes, if dead set, if you're any good and you've actually got any clutch attack, there's going to be games where you jack something. This bloke yeah, jack, he, fuck get, all. he doesn't get tries or line breaks and stuff. That's enough for Tedavano. Um, good player in real life. Good signing for the Pennock Panthers. Going to be dirt for Sipcoach. Uh, Big Balls Pod. I think this is another one of your boys. You've, you're just about ready to build an orphanage with all the boys that you got, Billy. Uh, Brian Tuo. He was one of your favourites last year. He, um, he had a fantastic rookie season. I really liked him as well. Um, he comes in as our Big Balls Pod to talk about for Penrith. Because he's 527k, you know that's a huge amount to spend on a um, on a centre wing that's coming off a career year, which was their rookie year. Um, but the things that were really good was he had a 33 raw base, and that was outstanding for a winger. Um, but when you look at his base base attack, when you're putting his tackle breaks, which are huge, and some offloads, he's in the 40s, uh, and his tackle breaks were were amazing. Um, he had a lot of a lot of tries as well, nine tries in his 15 games, which included two doubles. Uh, so he's definitely a try scorer, um, and he only had three scores below forty, and only four scores that were below fifty. And you know he played fifteen games of the season, so that's a really good strike rate for a um, uh, a Brian Tuo on the wing, and also his floor um, with his work rate looked great. So I know that you're a big fan. Five hundred twenty-seven Ks. You know when I first looked at it uh, for this profile to talk about, I thought you know that's a lot of money, and there's no way that you'd even look at him, but. The more I looked at it, I sort of thought, you know, if I remove myself from knowing that he was a rookie last year and everything else and just looked at the numbers, he's got a phenomenal base-base attack, you know, and that's sort of why someone like Fergo gets talked about or, you know, some of those guys. And he's doing the same sort of stuff. So, really, I think we probably need to give him a bit more respect, don't we? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, this bloke kind of reminds me of Dale Copeland. Like, he just has... A really, really good sort of work rate. Like, if you look, he's consistently around sort of a high twenties, uh, almost. Yeah, he's consistently around the thirty mark in, in hit ups uh, for points. So, twenty eight, twenty six, thirty seven, thirty two, thirty, twenty eight, thirty four, thirty. He's going to give you thirty points in hit ups a game, and he has pretty much consistently has at least one line break every two games. He's tackle busting through the roof every game. Three, four, five. One game was sort of six, so uh, eight tackle busts. So tackle busts are pretty much consistent. 
I forget tackles, like he makes a few, he's a bloody winger, but yeah, it goes over the line too. And with um, Cleary getting more, more ball, you were likely to think more ball this year. He predominantly plays right side. Maybe he gets, he plays that right side too. Maybe um, maybe has a bit more opportunity. I um, I just think that he's an absolute money ball special. Someone that you can sort of count on to um, do the job. I'd like to have him at some point throughout the year, but not not the start. Yeah, I've, I've got him penciled in to get to get him my side. I think he's going to be a keeper and um, probably going to be one of my final wing centre wing rotation guys out of the six or seven guys I have there. Uh, it's just a matter of when. You definitely want him for that second buy. Um, whether you want to take the plunge like Kikau and, and hit up that Gold Coast Titans game or something like that. Um, I just I, I do think that draw is too tough for a, a start. Even though his base is good, you, you might only get his base for three out of the four weeks to start the season, and that's going to be a killer. But it does mean he's going to be an opportune purchase you know, a month or two down the track, um, and that's sort of when I'm eyeing him off. Uh, great play, though. I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, it does seem to have a high floor. Um, played, oh, didn't play the whole season. Oh, here, here we go. So 15 games last year. His lower scores, 24, 34, 30, 45. Everything else is pretty much over 50. Um, had a 66, 70, 80, 82, 78, 70. So one, two, three, four. So six scores over 66. Another six scores between 50 and 60, 65. And... Uh, those four scores between 30 and 40, so pretty... Um, yeah, I, pretty I think he is. Um, I am I would like him, if he was cheaper, you know, if he was one of those mid-range sort of guys at 350 to 400, I'd be starting with him. It's just his price that makes him hard for round one. But that's why he's a big balls pod, guys. I mean, when Penrith score tries, he, he gets it a lot of the time. So if their attack's getting points, he's mostly going to, you know, get a try in a lot of those games. So, yeah, had a strike rate, 9 out of 15 games with a try. Um, you could do worse as far as Big Balls pod goes. I'm not going to do it, uh, and I'm going to buy him a bit later on. Cash cow rookies. Um, they don't have any rookies, but they've got a couple of mid-cash cows, so we're going to talk about these two guys. First one is Luai at uh, 257k, and he's going to be in a lot of halves for round one. Um, four starting games at 5'8 last year. And his four starting games at 580 average 47. That's 21 points above where he's priced at. So it's a no-brainer that he's going to make money. One of the things, though, that's sort of come up lately is uh, Burton looked really good on the weekend in the trial um, and supposedly might be pushing um, to start. That would be an issue. Um, but they have given Luai a lot of rope for a couple of years and really wanted him to come through. As a footballer, Billy, I, I've said before, I don't really love him. Um, I'm not sure why Penrith give him as much rope as what they do, because I do think that someone like Burton is a lot more steady and maybe a bit of a better one next to Cleary. But if Luai starts round one, 257k, it's going to be tough to leave out if he's that much price below his average. Yeah, he's, at, he's just at that, that price point where it, it would be nicer if he's sort of 171k, whatever it is. But at, at 240, 220, whatever it is, it's low enough to go, you know what, just, just park his ass on that bench. Um, milk him for whatever you can and then just get rid of him. If, if um, George Williams ends up coming in, coming up against the Storm, yeah, okay, maybe play him. Um, Louis, if, if, he, if he's got one of the bottom sort of four or five ranked teams and pray for something different, but other than that, he's just a cow. Yeah, and one, I guess one of the important things with that is I've seen a lot of teams with, like a, uh, with, with him and also George Williams. 
And that's why I said to you, I like to have a gun in each of those positions because I don't want to be stuck. Um, you know, George Williams could come and struggle, um, you know, and score 35 points a game or something to start with. And you don't want to be playing him while he's getting used to the NRL. And then you have to play a Luai, and then that becomes really hard because you're just going to take a massive hit. So I think that's where it becomes hard, doesn't it? If you've got him paired with another rookie, then it could be a problem. Yeah, uh, he's not the worst. Um, just looking at well, his games over 70... So he had a whole... He had, what, like 10 games, but it was less than 37 minutes, like zero minutes, five minutes, eight minutes. He did count all those completely. So the, the games where he actually started at, at six it's for seventy for full games, pretty much, 70 minutes, 75, 80 and 80. It's for 45, 50, 23, 59... There was one more that was 73, but that was it. So the century quarter, so you have to discount that. So, look, two of the 23, I was playing the yield, so you got to understand that. For sure. <laughs> so, no, look, if you have to if you have to play him, odds are he's not going to be the worst. Um, in, in fairness, though, that 50 and 69 was versus the Gold Crest. So, yeah, if you... So that's what I'm going to do, mate. I'm going to have Cleary. I'm going to have Williams. Um, I'll use I'll use um, what's his name, Luai, as a dual just to move around as as cover, but also as um, um back as as a as a backup cover as well, and maybe playing against that one off game versus Gold Coast or someone who's out of form or would depleted forwards at the at a home ground, maybe. Yeah, I'm much more comfortable having him on the bench with a gun in front of him, but. I think he's going to be a good buy as far as making money. Uh, it's going to happen. Just um, he, he might have some pressure put on him by Burton, but we'll wait and see. Um, one question for you with him, though. Um, Jack Johns has looked really good at the Storm and has been coming through home with a wet sail for that Haas jumper. Now, if he gets that seven jersey, he's a bottom price rookie, and you've obviously got George Williams and Luai as the other two popular ones, um, and you can't have all of them. Would you consider leaving Luai out to have, you know, George Williams and, and Jack Johns in the side? Or would you just um, end up punting George Williams for Luai? Uh, no, because uh, <laughs> Jack Johns is currently my nuff. Oh, he's your fourth one. He's my fourth. Right. Okay. Oh, yep. Interesting. Well, um, I'm going to be starting with Luai. He looks like a good one to make some cash. I'm not going to rely on him for points, so I'm going to try to not play him at all. This next guy, though, that's had mid-cow for Penrith, is very playable, and that's Abby Coruscant. Coruscant comes across after playing you know, really low minutes at Manly of 36 a game, uh, sorry, 44 minutes a game for a 36-point score, which is 20 points below what he did the year before, at 56 average and you know 58 average in 2017. He's done 50s for four years in a row on his average until he hit his 36-point average in 2019. So career worst year, all based on minutes, really. Um, as a result, he's only 339K. A lot of people are looking at him and Braley as a, a cheaper option. Um, I initially looked at it, and I considered it very hard. Um, I was close to leaving it, Billy, but then I just decided I couldn't leave Cook out because I'm too worried that... Uh, you know, 50 points from Coruscant, um, and if Cook goes 70, I'm just not going to be able to make up that 20-point that difference. Where do you stand on Coruscant as a, a round one purchase? Do you see him playing the 80 minutes and getting 50s as far as his points and 
um, would you leave cook out for him? Um, I've had cook in the whole time and the last seven days I've just moved moved cook on and put Coruscant in and really like the the, the extent of my team just sticking it thickening it out made it a lot more sort of uh, uh, palatable to look at but yeah like you said I couldn't handle my having cook in there so I just cut the lid back in <laughs> happy Appy's gone. Appy. Williams has become cook somehow. Right. Well, um, I mean, do you see the merit in starting a, you know, a Appy Braley sort of combo? Um, I think there's a lot more risk there. I I looked at the numbers time and time again, and if you asked me that question two years ago, I would have said, oh, Appy, hundred percent. He can sort of, he can mix it with the best of them. He, he can he can screw out the sort of dummy half. He can he can have a run. He can he can play just as, just as well as the um, the others, but. You can also have an absolute shocker, mate. That guy can punch three or four 25s and all of a sudden do really well to be lumped Yeah, I mean, that's the concern. It's not a slam dunk as much as what people think. Um, Appy's only 27, though, so he's not someone who, um, you know, is a bit older going across the penalty. He's actually hitting his prime. So there is cause to think that he's at least going to give you 50s. But in saying that, um, they've got a guy like Kenny on the bench and... You know, Kenny can come in and spell hooker, and if he spells, you know, 25 minutes a game, um, that's just going to kill Appy completely. There was there was a quote though from Cleary saying, you know, Appy Appy wants to be an 80 minute hooker, and I, I like having 80 minute hookers or something like that, and that came directly from Cleary. Until that happens, but he just wants to be an 80 minute hooker, reason. Yeah, I mean, Cleary said it, um, but you know it. It looked like um, Ivan Cleary was saying that he, he, he wants Appy to be an 80-minute hooker. Um, that's pretty much what he said. I want Appy to be an 80-minute hooker. Now, whether that happens round one, it, it's, it's kind of guesswork because coaches lie to us all the time as far as what they're actually going to do. I will say, though, if there's no Kenny on the bench for round one and they've just got four forwards there, then all of a sudden Appy looks like he's guaranteed 80 minutes and he, he has to make a bunch of money. And then we're... Stuck in that spot, Billy, where it's do you make you know 150k really quickly on Appy playing 80 minutes? Yeah, that would that would that would definitely make it more palatable. I just keep coming back to wanting Cook, but um, I will consider Appy um, in there as my lead hooker if it looks like it's a four forward bench and he's not going to get spelled. Um, I think that you have to look at it and it becomes an option. Um, it's just one of those tough ones where I don't think there's a definite answer. So just go with your gut on that one, I reckon. Um, another guy to talk about that's gone across Billy is Capewell. Now, Capewell's been looked at as either a bench player or a starting edge player. Um, there's a lot of different variants on predicted sides on where he's going to be. Um, as a result, some people are looking at him because he is a dual centre wing second rower, um, and they are thinking that if he ends up starting in one of those edge roles, it'll be like him and Kikau on the edges, um, in, in that case, do you think that he's a centre-wing option? He only averaged 64 minutes a game last year for 43 points. If he's playing 80 on the edge, I guess that you could consider him as a guy that's going to hit 50s for you and be your centre-wing as a good floor. Yeah, possibly, mate. I've, I really don't know the makeup of that team or, or, or what what they're going to do. Um, do you know what his numbers in, in 18 were? Yeah, I mean, in 18, he didn't have um, a great year. He was only doing 55 minutes a game for 36 points, but in 2017, um, that's when he got the most minutes he's ever gotten. He got 69 um, minutes a game in 2017, and he produced 46 points for that. 
some of those probably would have been filling in at centre and stuff like that though as well. Um, so you can pretty much guarantee he's going to sort of be maybe around that 52-ish mark if he's getting 80 minutes on an edge. Yeah, probably have to agree with that, mate. It's This is one of those 50-50 calls where you just don't know what's going to happen. Like, you're just relying on sort of uh, trends and data from the last few years. I mean, the good thing with him is he's 400k. So, you know, if you're looking at um, the lack of upside of a, of a Capewell versus a Brian Tuo, but the similar type of base... If you just want some guy that's just going to be solid, if he gets 80 minutes there um, on the edge, if that happens, then he ends up being a pretty good centre-wing guy, I reckon. I'd rather see it, though, um, and I'd rather watch it for a few games. Yeah, I'm not banking on anything until I see um, guarantee 80 minutes, mate. Right, well, that's the Sharkies and Penrith done, and all of a sudden, Billy, the team previews are all over, mate. We're, um, we're going to have to come up with something else to talk about until the game starts. <laughs> and the real guest next time. <laughs> oh, I tried, mate. Everyone else was busy. <laughs> Don't worry, mate. We'll get you back on soon. Thanks for jumping on. Um, we'll chat to you again in the next few weeks. We'll get another podcast up. Cheers, mate. Always, always good to get on the ramble. All right, guys. That concludes the team previews. Sharkies and Penrith. We finish on. You can download or listen to us streaming on SoundCloud or iTunes. Do give us a follow on Twitter. NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Great bunch of followers that we've gotten on board the last couple of weeks. Would be great to keep piling them on and getting more. Um, podcast listens have been fantastic. Please keep sharing us around and help us out. Um, but until then, we are going to be back with another preseason one. It's probably not going to be for two weeks because um, we obviously have no more team previews to do. Um, but we might do it over and around the grounds and uh, pre-round one talk on some changes and things that have happened. Uh, and having another look at mine and Billy's team and seeing where they're at as well. Until then, good luck playing around with the jigsaw puzzle that is Supercoach for Round 1 teams, and we'll chat to you again soon.